Okay, good morning. Uh, today's daf is daf Yud Ches. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishma Shaina Bas Yitzchak. And Yitzchak... Sorry. And Yitzchak Le'i Ben Yosef. May the Neshamas have an aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Um, so remember we're doing the Ein Bains. As we said, we started off relevant to... Purim and the date of Purim discussing the difference between Adar Rishon and Adar Shani. And once we phrase that discussion of Ein Bain, we bring a whole lot of Mishnayos that have Alochas where we say Ein Bain, there's no difference between A and B except. So we're up to the Mishnah towards the bottom of Zainam with base 7b. It is. Um, yeah, the uh, it's it's about the middle of the wide lines towards the bottom. So it says, "Ain bein Shabbos liyom Kippurim." There's no difference between Shabbos and Yom Kippur. Now this is regarding the punishment of Shabbos and Yom Kippur because we know regarding the actual actions on Yom on Shabbos and Yom Kippur, well, you don't eat, you don't wear leather shoes, etc. There are many differences, but just regarding the punishment. This one's punishment, Shabbos, a person who transgresses Shabbos on purpose, gets put to death by Beisdin, by man. And someone who transgresses Yom Kippur on purpose gets Kores, is not put to death by man. So there's a different level in the severity of doing Melacha on Shabbos or Yom Kippur. Now the Gemaras, oh, so if it's saying there's no difference between, so what halachas are the same? Regarding paying, they would be the same. What's that referring to? So there's a very interesting halacha called A person gets the more severe punishment. So for example, our case, let's say someone burns their friend's haystack. This is the classic example. Someone burns their friend's haystack on Shabbos or Yom Kippur. So now he's actually liable two things. One is for burning something on Shabbos or Yom Kippur. And the second one is for the damages. And you have to pay for the damages. So we say, He only has to pay. He only gets the more severe punishment. He won't have to pay for the damages he caused. And this is also referred to as... Uh, um, yeah, it's based on the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, If there is not death, then he will be punished. You don't give him two punishments. You give him one of the punishments. Now, part of the question is, what's considered the severe punishment that you will only give him the severe punishment and not another punishment? So the, the one that no one disputes is where someone will be put to death by Beisdin. Then, he lit a haystack on Shabbos. He's going to be put to death. But based in, he doesn't have to pay for the haystack. He doesn't have to pay for the damage he caused. He only gets a more severe punishment of death. What happens on Yom Kippur where it's Kores? Now, Kores is a type of death. It is a more severe punishment than having to, having to pay money. But does that count? Does this, does, do we apply this principle by Kores? So that's what our Mishnah seems to be saying that we do. Because Hola Inyan Tashlumim regarding paying for damages or the like... They're equal Shabbos and Yom Kippur. So Mani Bandisin, who's the author of our Mishnah? Rebina Khunya Benakana, here's Rebina Khunya Benakana, the Tanya, Rebina Khunya Benakana, Hoyo, 
As we learned in a price that Rabbi Nuchunya ben Akanas would say Shabbos Yom Kippur is like Shabbos regarding to Tashlumim. Ma Shabbos Mishaya ben Nafsha upato minatashlumim. Just as if someone transgresses Shabbos is liable for his neshama, he's liable for death and he's exempt from the payment. So to Yom Kippur, he's liable for his soul, for death. Again, Kores is a type of spiritual death. Therefore, he's exempt from Tashlumim. Okay, once we're mentioning this, we're going to discuss a, a connected point. It says, Tanan Hassan, we learned in a mission over there. Anyone who is high of Chrysus and he gets lashed, he's exempt from Kores. That, so what are we saying? Remember, in the Torah, for if someone transgresses a, a negative commandment, he's liable for, most of them he's liable for, lashes. It's a whole discussion, what happens if it's something that's high of courage? So there's really no action that based into it, it's all up to Shemaim, but is there also lashes? So this opinion says that whenever there is lashes, obviously, there's courage, and he's transgressing a negative commandment, so there will be lashes. If he receives the lashes, he gets forgiven. There's no more kores. Says Shneimar, as it says, "Vanil kol says he will be disgraced or dishonored in your eyes. Your brother will, your, he will be your brother dishonored in your eyes. Now he says, "Kivain sheloka harehu kachicha." How do we read that pasuk? Remember, a Russia, a Jew who's done an avera that's high of kores. Is not a brother. He doesn't get the title of one of your brothers. Your brothers means a good Jew. So, but it says Vanilka, so Kivain Sheloko, as soon as he gets lashes, he is he is like your brother. Divrei Rebbe Hananya ben Gamliel, that's the opinion of Rebbe Hananya ben Gamliel. Oh, so we see that. Again, as soon as someone has got lashes, even if he did a severe affair that is liable to Korah, he says, now you are he's forgiven. He says, now Omer Rabbi Yochan, Cholkin Olaf Chaveir of Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel. Rabbi Yochan says that his colleagues argue against on him. The colleagues argue on Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel. They don't agree that lashes exempt you from Korah. Now Omer Rava, Omri Beirav, Rava said that they said in the Yeshiva of Rav, Tenina, this is actually learnt out from a Mishnah. And this is our Mishnah. Where does Rabbi Yochanan, let, let me rephrase this, where does Rabbi Yochanan see? We've just said, according to Rabban Gamliel, ben Rabbi, Hananya, Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel, that if someone gets lashes, it exempts him from his Kore's punishment. Lashes affects full atonement. And Rabbi Yochanan came along and he said that his colleagues argue. Where do we see that? So Rava says it's from our Mishnah. Says Tanina ain't by Yom Kippurim Nishabas Eloshes Ezadona Bidei Adam Vazezadona Bikorit. Says that if someone transgresses, there's no difference between the in the punishment of Shabbos and Yom Kippur, except that on Shabbos he gets put to death by man if he does it on purpose, and by Yom Kippur he gets Kores. Now the Im Isa, if it's true that you get lashes and you can exempt, they both by the hand of man. I granted the punishment for transgressing Yom Kippur is Kores. If you hold like Hananya ben Gamliel, then you get, Basin will give you lashes. Obviously if there's warning, you'll get lashes. And, you'll be, and then you'll be absolved of 
the Malk of the Kores. So our Mishnah, which says there's no difference between Yom Kippur and Shabbos, is not true. Because, the, because and it says, what's the reason? Because Yom Kippur, why is, sorry, our Mishnah says that by, Yom, by Shabbos, it's you punished by man, and by Yom Kippur, you punished with Kores, by heaven. But that's not true, because both Shabbos is, and Yom Kippur are Ba'odom. Shabbos will be put to death, and Yom Kippur will be lashes. So Omar of Nachman, Homani, and Nachman says, who's the author? So, so that our Mishnah seems to be a proof for Rabbi Yochanan that there's an opinion that argues and says you can't get lashes in place of Kores. Lashes don't exempt you from Kores. So Omar Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, no, how many Rabbi Yitzchak ki? Our Mishnah could be Rabbi Yitzchak. The Omar Malkus Bechayve Christus Leika. That where there's, that there is no such thing as Malkus Bechayve Christus. I, not like the above two opinions that we've been suggesting that there is Malchus and there's Kores. The only question is, if you get Malchus, do you still have to do Tshuva for the Kores? Is there still the Kores? Rather, Rabbi Yitzhak, oh, there's no such thing as Malchus where there's Kores. If the Torah tells us that for a certain Avera there's Kores, the Torah is telling us that you get Kores and not Malchus. Again, as I said when we started this, the general principle is that for any negative commandment you get lashes. Sometimes the Torah comes along and says there's Kores. So the question that, that, that we're discussing, or the, the, the question that's underlying this discussion is, if someone, if, when the Torah says you get lashes, when, sorry, when the Torah says you get Kores, is that saying in addition to the lashes? And then you have a question, also when you get lashes, are you exempt? Or when the Torah says you get Kores, is that saying and you get Kores and not Lashes. So Rabbi Yitzhak says you get Kores and not Lashes. And his proof is the Tanya. Well, we see this in the Bryce of Rabbi Yitzhak. I mean, Rabbi Yitzhak says, Chayvei Krisus Bichlal Hoyu Velama Yotzeis Yotzeis Kores Ba'achoyso This is in the context of the Arayos for the Forbidden Relations. He says, all of them are Chayvei Krisus. So why does it specify that there's Kores for if someone is intimate with their sister? So it re-emphasizes Kores to say that there's only Kores and not Malchus. So what do we see according to Rabbi Yitzchak? Where there's, when the Torah says the punishment is Kores, it's telling you, and not Malchus. Unlike the opinions up to here. There's Aravashi, Aravashi says another answer to explain our Mishnah that it is not a proof for Rabbi Yitzchak. He says, I feel the time and you could say it's Rabbonin, but Zeika is the Doina Bidei Odom. The primary punishment of someone who breaks Shabbos is Bidei Odom. And the primary punishment for someone who breaks, transgresses Yom Kippur is, is Kores. Are you right? Theoretically, he could get lashes and be absolved of the Kores. But the primary punishment is Kores, unless he does something about it. Again, just to highlight, obviously, even where there's Kores, and even if you have the opinions that lashes doesn't work for Kores, or there is no, or according to the opinion that there's no lashes, Where there's Kores, obviously you still do Tshuva, and Tshuva can get you atonement for the Avera. You just might need Tshuva and Yusurin or something like that. That's the, as we discussed in the end of Maseches Yuma, but Tshuva always works. Um, okay, so just to bring out the main points, because it's quite a, a few interesting points. One is we had Kamle Bidarabamine, that if someone, that you only get the more severe punishment. So if someone breaks Shabbos, he'll be put to death and he won't have to, sorry, he breaks Shabbos in a way that causes another person damage. 
or steals at the same time as breaking Shabbos. It's interesting this, the one how you establish that case, but he steals. And he only gets put to death. He doesn't have to carry, he doesn't have to pay back the damage he caused. Question is, do we apply that same principle by Kores? Do we say Kores is a more severe Aveira? And therefore, if someone is getting Kores, he will and should have to pay for damages. For example, someone who burns his friend's property on Yom Kippur. So there, that's a question. Al Mishnah holds that. He does. We say, he gets the more severe punishment of Kores, and he doesn't. Then the second half of the discussion we went into is this concept of lashes. We had two opinions, which are three. The first two was that someone who's liable to Kores, is there still the punishment of Malchus? As we said, every negative commandment has Malchus, and then the Torah comes along and says, and some also are more severe, and there's Kores. So is it saying there's Malchus and Kores? And in that version, then the question is, um, does the Malchus absolve you from your punishment of Kores? Or do you still need Malchus and to do Tshuva in, the, in a way, you could say Tshuva, obviously you have to always do Tshuva, but Tshuva independently for the Kores aspect. Or does once you get Malchus, it automatically absolves you from the Kores as well? That's the one side. And then the flip side was that no, when the Torah says you get Kores, it's telling us that there is the punishment for that Avera is Kores and there is no punishment for Malchus. Sorry, and Malchus, sorry, the Torah is telling us yeah, that the punishment for that Avera is Kores and Malchus is irrelevant to the discussion in, the, in that scenario. Okay, let's go on to the next mission on top of Ches Amoradav. Um, again, next, Ein Bain. So he says, Ein Bain Amudar Hanomei Lemudar Mimenu Machol. There is no difference between someone who takes a, ba- a vow forbidding getting benefit from his friend, I, as a general term, getting any benefit from his friend, to someone who takes a vow that he won't get benefit related to food from his friend. I, now, interesting enough, Rashi points out that someone who's says that they won't get any benefit related to food. Again, it's not limited to specifically like eating his friend's food. It's anything that could result in food. So that's why Rashi will notice he focus. He says like even if you would, if your friend, this guy, you took a shvur, you took a neder, it's not a shvur, a neder that you won't get benefit from his property relating to food. If, you, if he has something he normally rents out, he has a car he rents out. You would not be allowed to hire that car because that money would be used for food. And even if he decides to lend you that car, you can't because it's saving you the money you would normally have to pay to hire the car, which is connected to food. So that's a benefit tied into food. So that's quite, that's it. That's important to understand the next line, how far we go. This netter that this person's taken to get food-related benefit from his friend includes anything that leads to food, as we said, for example, hiring or renting or anything financial because he can use that money for food. So Ella, what's the difference between, so, so basically what it's very, now we've really narrowed it. There's a very narrow definition in the difference between someone who takes a vow that he won't get benefit from his friend and someone who takes a vow that he won't get food-related benefit from his friend. So the only difference is walking through his property, the kalim she'ein oisin bohem oichel nefesh, and 
kalim which he does not use to make food. I'll come to this point. So let's do the first one. Jesus Haregel. What does that mean? Walking through his property. If someone has a field, and obviously not where it will cause damage, they don't care if people walk through their property, and they don't mind who walks through their property, and they don't charge people to walk through their property. So therefore, it is of no financial consequence. It's not considered getting benefit from your... It would not be considered food-related benefit. But however, it is considered getting benefit from your friend. It's saving you. Instead of walking around to Shul, he lets you cut through his property and it saves you 20 minutes of your walk. So that is getting benefit from your friend, but it's not getting food-related benefit from your friend. And similarly, Rashi points out, firstly, you can't say Kalim that are often hired or rented out or hired because... There, there's money involved, and that would be a monetary-related bet. Money always ties back to food because you use money to buy food. So it must be things that he normally lends out. People, let's say, all the time, people go to their neighbor and borrow, uh, um, and borrow their axe or borrow their, you know, all the time people are doing that. So that wouldn't consider a benefit connected to food because he lends it to anyone without much consideration. But it would be considered benefiting from your friend's property. So it depends on the type of netter. Was it a netter from getting benefit or was it netter just from food-related benefit? Then it would be a, pro- a problem. Okay, so that's the Mishnah. It says, now, hole in, so when would they, what uh, aspect is it the same? However, if it is kalim that people use to make food, both would agree it's osur. I couldn't think of a example. Let's say a mix master. So let's say people borrow each other's mix masters. Let's say there's no financial discussion. Everyone's always lending out their mix masters. Or you need a tin opener, so you want to go to your friend to borrow his tin opener. If you took a netter from getting, um, since it's connected to in preparation of food, even though there's no financial gain because you'd lend anyone this tin opener or this mix master or something like that, there's still the aspect of it's connected to food and therefore it would be also for both of them. Drisas Haregel Ho Loi Kopti Inish. But why should Drisas Haregel be counted as a benefit? There is no, people don't care about it. You can't call something that's so insignificant as walking through someone's field that he doesn't care about as getting benefit. It's inconsequences. No, Omar of Ahomani, Rebbe Eliezer. This is Rebbe Eliezer. The Omar Vitur Isur Bermudar Hano. Vitur, something that is normally waived, is considered forbidden by getting by someone who has a vow from getting benefit i you're right there is an opinion that um something that's of inconsequential benefit okay it's like it's meaningless because no one cares about it that's not considered getting benefit but rebeleza holds you are actually getting benefit from his property even though it's something he doesn't care about and it's not a big deal there's no financial aspect involved and he lets every single person do it it according to rebeleza since you are getting benefit from his property it is still considered benefit Okay, um, let's go on to the next one. There's no difference between Nadorim and Nadovos. As we'll see in the Gemara, they're different ways of styling your vow, except that if someone takes a neder, he's liable to replace it, and Nadova is not liable to replace it. The context would be here in a korban. Someone says, I take a neder 
to give a carbon to to bring a carbon or someone says i take an adobe so the only difference is if something happens to the animal that you decide to offer do you have to replace the animal and bring another one or is it too late so we'll see and let's just see hola indian about what aspect of this the same hola indian about the regarding about the they are both equal I remember we learned you're not allowed to, this was in Rosh Hashanah, we had five different opinions, and you're not allowed to take too long to pay back a promise. If you promise to bring a korban, you take a vow to bring a korban, you have a limited time. Was it three festivals, three festivals in order, one festival, two, you know, that was a five-way machlokas, but you're not allowed to delay. And that's whether it's a neder or whether it's an adob, you're not allowed to delay. Um, not going to go into now why you would think one way or the other. But he says, Tanan Hassan, we learned over there, Ezu Neder, what is considered a Neder? If someone says, I take a Neder, it is upon me to bring a Euler. Ezu Hunadava, what is a Nadava? Someone pointing at a specific animal and says, This is an Euler. And what's the difference between whether he says, I accept upon myself the responsibility to bring a Korban, or he says, This animal will bring a Korban, I neder and a Dava. If the animal that he decided to bring to fulfill his vow dies, or is stolen, or is lost, is obligated to replace it. And if it dies, is stolen or is lost, he is not liable to replace it. Where do we see the source to make such a distinction that a neder you're liable to replace and a dava you're not, not obligated to replace? So the Tanan, as we learned in the Mishnah, the, sorry, the Tan Rabbonin, as we taught in a Brisa, he, it will be acceptable for him and bring atonement for him. Rabbi Shimon Omer es, and that, that pasuk is discussing the Dorim, the language says in the Dorim. So he said, Rabbi Shimon Omer es she'olov chayv ba'achriyusov es she'eno olov eno chayv So what he accepts olov on himself, he's liable for to replace and if not, then he's not liable to replace it. My mashma, how do we see it from there? So Omer Rabbi Yitzhak Barabdimi, Rabbi Yitzhak Barabdimi says, kivain to Omer olai kamanda toina kafei dami. Once he says olai, it is on me, it is as if he's put the burden on his shoulders. I, he's increased his responsibility and therefore he's liable to replace it. Um, so I'll, I'll express it. I should have probably said this at the beginning, right by the start of the Gomorrah. But again, the easier way to understand the difference in my mind between a neder and a dover. Remember, what's a neder? You're saying, I accept upon myself to bring a korban ola. So now what do you do? You owe a korban ola. So let's say you go and you take an animal and you say, this is going to be my korban ola. Until if something happens to that animal, you still have your neder responsibility. I, you have accepted upon yourself to bring a korban ola. Hare olai ola. I accept upon myself to bring an ola. Until there is an ola offered, no matter how many animals you have to separate in the interim, until an ola is offered, you haven't fulfilled your neder. Whereas if you say, pointing at an animal, hare zu, this is an ola, well, as if something happens to that animal, your neder... You're absolved of your netter, not that you fulfilled, but there's nothing you can do. This, again, you're pointing at the thing and saying, this animal will be a korban. If something happens to that animal, well, you can't, there's no way to fulfill your netter, so you wouldn't, your vow, so you wouldn't have to. So that's the difference between Arei Ola and Arei Zu. So something interesting to consider, would we say this distinction about Tzedakah, uh, regarding money? Let's say someone knows they've got a, 
let's say someone has a, let's say they pull out a hundred rand uh, note from their wallet and I say, this will be for tzedakah. Does that hundred rand, what happens if that's lost or stolen? Does he have to give another hundred rand to tzedakah? Or does it count? Or let's say he has a, a, another one. He, he promises um, to give a hundred rand for tzedakah. Now let's leave our bank accounts and his wallet stolen. Does he have to wait till he earns another hundred rand to give it to tzedakah? Because it's like a nether. He just said, I accept upon myself to give a hundred rand to tzedakah. And we can make it, um, we can add to that even in more contemporary terms. Is Let's say someone has a designated bank account or savings account, which they put all their tzedakah money in that they pay for tzedakah from or something like that. And then something happens to that bank account. Um, do they are they liable to replace the money? Well, I was just thinking maybe you make an EFT and you accidentally put in the wrong bank. Uh, um, you, you you make an EFT and you put in the wrong bank code, so it goes to some other bank, not the charity. Are you liable to replace it or not? Um, Look, I think we've discussed this a little bit in the past. And the one point we said, which in my mind is very strong, even when you pull an actual hundred rand note out of your wallet, you often don't think regarding money as tying the value to that specific note. When you, a person says, I'll give this hundred rand note as Tzedakah, he's not really saying that hundred rand note. He's saying, I'll give a hundred rand to Tzedakah. If that, if that is true, that you look at it like that, then he would obviously always be. But just interesting to think about this Hare Olai or Hare Zu. Does it apply by Tzedakah? Okay, next Mishnah. Ein bein zav harosh the shalosh elokorban. The only difference between a zav who sees two sightings, two discharges, and one who sees three discharges is a korban. Now let's go back a few steps to make this Mishnah easier to understand is what's a Zav. So remember a Zav, the difference a Zav and you get a Zav and a Zav. I'll explain Zav later on. Let's just focus on Zav now. That's a male who has a certain type of discharge. It's similar to a, se a seminal emission but not the same. So, um, so that's a Zav. If he sees this discharge once, he has the same alochas as a Balkari, someone who has a seminal mission. He goes to mikvah and he's tohor. He's only a rishon. He's a low-level tumah. He's a rishon, which means he can't make other people or kalim tumah. He can only make food and drinks tumah. That's if he sees once. If he sees twice, um, he now becomes an avhatumah to the degree that also... Um, so let me just check this. Yeah, and now he's a strict level of tumor that he has to. Um, he's an avatumor, which means he can make people tome and he can make utensils tome. And not only that, he's also metame through mishkavu moishav. That's a special tumor we find by certain very select scenarios, zav zavit, um, etc. But they, if they sit on something, even if they're not actually touching it. Everything that they're on becomes Tomei. So let's say you have um, ten, uh, 10 blankets, one on top of the other, and the Zav lies on them. Or 10 mattresses, one on the other, and the Zav lies on them. Even the bottom one, which is not touching, since he's lying on it, and it's a mattress, it's made for lying on, it becomes Tomei, it becomes Avatuma. So that's a Zav who sees twice. I had two, two of these discharges on one day or on two consecutive days he becomes and not only that he also has to count seven clean days seven days without seeing any discharge 
before he ca- and then he goes to mikveh and he becomes tahor. And then if someone sees three discharges, I three on one day or three on consecutive days, then not only is he the same as we've just mentioned with the zav of Turius that he's an avatumis matami mishkav moshev and he has to count seven clean days, he also has to bring three korbanos at the end. He also has to bring two um, two birds at the end to to purify himself. So that's let's just read the Mishnah again quickly. There's no difference between a zav who sees two or three except a korban. That's telling us that regarding what they sit or lie on and regarding counting seven clean days, they're equal. Says What's the source? And what's the source that the only difference is the korban or that the two things that these two are the same? Says the Torah Rabbana, we learned in a price, sir. Take note, we're going to see two sources. The first one is Rabbi Simai, Oimei Rabbi Simai says, Mana of Stein, the Korut Tomei, Sholosh for Korut Tomei. The Torah counts, if you count the posuk, it says Zov, and it says he's Tomei, and it counts it three times, and he says he's Tomei. Just the psukim Rashi brings is, uh, it says, ki ye zov mi bisro tome hu. A man who has a Zov mi bisro zuvo. So it says, Zav twice in the Pasuk, Tomei. And then it says three times in a, in a later Pasuk, it says, Vozotye tu moso bizuvo, ror bisro es zuvo, oi so it says it three times and he's considered Thomas. It says, So what's the difference between whether he sees it two or three times? Both of them is Thomas. It says, It's telling us that when he sees two discharges, he becomes Thomas. But when he sees three times, that's when he has to bring the korban. Why don't you say that maybe when he sees two sightings, he's Tome, but no korban, and when he sees three sightings, he has to bring a korban, but he's not Tome. So when he says, that, you, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Before he's seen three discharges, he's seen two discharges. I, in other words, he becomes Tome from seeing two discharges. Why would you ever think when he sees a third discharge that he's not Tome anymore? Must be that he's also Tom and therefore it's coming to add a korban. Why don't we say maybe if he sees twice, he brings a korban, but he's not Tomei. If he sees three times, he's also Tomei. says, Lord Don't think that. The Tanya, as we learned in a Bryson, now this is the second source of it. So, so again, what we, we're saying that the difference is Tomei applies to, to two and three sightings. Korban only applies to three. The question is, why don't we say Korban applies to two and three, and Tuma only applies to three? So he says, you don't think that. The, 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 we learned in a Brisa, the Pasuk regarding a Korban, it says, The Kohen will bring atonement. I, he'll offer a Korban. It says, But the fact that it says, from This Mem always implies a sum of. So, some Zavin bring a Korban and some Zavin don't bring a Korban. It's his whole Kate side. Which, which ones would and which ones wouldn't? So he says, Rosh Hashanah, maybe Shtaim, Eino, maybe. Must be that if he sees three times, he brings a Korban. If he sees twice, he doesn't. He says, maybe Rosh Hashanah, maybe. Maybe he'll say, no, if he sees twice, he brings. But if he sees three times, he doesn't bring. Maybe that's, how do you know which one's which? That it's only if he sees three times, he brings. So look more, he says, no, Omarta, Ad Shalosh, Rosh Shalosh. Sorry, Omarto Adjalo Rooshalosh Rooshalosh Time. says, wait, but before he's had three sightings, he's had two sightings. So if you're telling me he brings a Korban when he sees twice, then why all of a sudden when he says three, or he could say four or five or six, 
he shouldn't bring a carbon anymore. Obviously, he'll then bring a carbon. So it must be the, on the later level. So where we're holding at the moment that, yeah, it must be going on that if he sees twice his Tome for both two and three times, but he only brings a Korman if he had a third, if he saw three. Now the Gomorrah is going to be says for Itzrik. We need both of them. Basically, the first one of Rebi Simai, that remember he counted the Zovs, how many times it says Zov in the Pasuk, and this Brysa of Mizuvot, some Zovim. I only some Zavs bring a Korban, but not all of them. It says, now the Emid Rebi Simai have a Aminiki cushion. Because if you had Rebi Sim, just Rebi Simai, you could have our question. Our question was that maybe a two sighting brings a Korban and is not Tome, and the three sightings is both Korban and Tome. It says, Kamashmanan Mizuvo. Therefore, it comes and says, by a Korban Mizuvo, only some bring a Korban. So it must be that two don't bring a Korban. And three bring a korban. And if from Mizuva, we don't know how many rios, at what point is he obligated to bring a korban? There we need Rebbe Simai's Roshet to tell us only at the differences between two sightings or three sightings. Oh, now that you've told me Mizuvo is a drosha. And what's a drosha? It says, some bring a korban. I only, only a zav you saw three, not two. It says, my oh, So what you're going to expound when the Pesach says, when the zav is purified from his zuvo. What's that? It says, no, how, what, what drosha is that coming from? That's for the following b'risa. Now, there are actually going to be three droshas from this b'risa. The first one is, When does the zav start to become tome? As soon as his discharge stops. Uh, he can start counting seven clean days the day after his discharge stops. He doesn't have to do something like go to mikveh before he can start the purification process. Second one, he can purify himself from his Zav, even if it's not from his Zav and his Tsaras. If you had a Zav who also had Tsaras, now he's Tomei from both of them, and there are actually many overlaps between Tsaras and uh, Zav, but let's not go into them now. Um, but he can, to a degree, purify himself from his Zav Tumah, even though he's still Tomei because he's a Mitzorah. That's Mizuvo. It says, and Mizu, third one, Mizuvo, Vesaper Limer al Zav Balshteiru Eos Sheton Sfirish Shiva. It also says, from his Zav, and then the next word in the Pasuk is Vesafar, and he counts, teaches that a Zav who's only seen two twice also needs to count seven times. Now the Gemara says, Valotinu. But wait, isn't it logical? If you're telling me that he's a zav of, um, that he's metame mishkavu moishav, I he's this hal. We said, let's go back a step. We said whether he's seen twice or whether he's seen three times, he's this very high level of tumah. He's an avatuma. He's metame things just by leaning or sitting on them, even if he's not touching them. So he's a high level of tumah. So if he's tame. Already from two sightings, obviously he needs a purification of counting seven clean days. So that's the Gomorrah's question where we're at at the moment. Again, we're saying that the Zav of two, just as the Zav of three is Tomei and he requires seven clean days, I, he has to have seven days without any discharge on them. And then he's Tahar. Or then he can go to Mikvah and become Tar. So to a Zav of Turiyos. And we said, why do we need the Pasuk? It's so obvious. Both his Tomei 
and he has to purify himself. And clearly the purification process is waiting seven clean days. So the Gemara says, Shomeres Yom Keneged Yom Tochiach. Shomeres Yom Keneged Yom shows. Now this is going back on a woman who's a Zava. The concept of a Shomeres Yom Keneged Yom, I'll explain what it is shortly, but that's referring to a woman who's a Zava. So let's just quickly explain a woman who's, remember we've got a Zava male Zava, that's what we've just just discussed, that's the male with his discharge, and a woman who's a Zava. So now, very simply, um, if a woman sees blood, Depending at what stage of the month, is she a nida or is she a zava? If she sees blood, basically the first seven days, that's a nida, which we're more familiar with. And if she sees from for 11 days following that, then she's a zava. Now what if she sees on just one day, then she's a zava katana. She just has to have one clean day and she goes to mikveh and she's tar. If she sees on two consecutive days, exactly, Shomeris Yom Keneged Yom, she just keeps one clean day, and then she's Tahar. However, if she sees a discharge on three days, that's when she becomes a Zavagadala and has to um, count seven clean days and then go to Mikvah and bring a Korban. So a Shomeris Yom Keneged Yom Tochiach. Shetmetame Mishkav Umoishav, a woman who sees blood in the time of month that would make her a zava. She's matame mishka v'moyshav. She doesn't have to count seven days. So therefore we can say the same thing by a nozir. Sorry, not by a nozir. By a, by a male zav. Just because he's matame mishka v'moyshav, maybe he's the same as a woman and he doesn't have to count seven clean days. So it's now al titma al zeh. And don't be so bewildered. Um, and don't don't be bewildered because that is Matam Mishkav Moishav, but that he should not have to count seven days. Talmud Lomar, therefore the Torah says, Mizuva Vasiper, Mikzazuva Vasiper, if he's just a partial Zav, he's only had two sightings, Limarazav, Baishtarius, Sheton Svirishiva, that he has to count seven clean days. Okay, so. That's the yeah. You know, that's why we need the drosha. We might have thought, oh, if a woman who's a zava is of one or two sightings, is matame mishkav umoishav, but she doesn't have to count seven clean days. Maybe, maybe so too, but a zav, a male zav who's only had two sightings, doesn't have to count seven clean days. Comes along the pasuk and says, mizuvavetumah. Even if he's only a partial zav, he's only had two sightings, not three. He still has to count seven days. Okay, Omar Leir of Popol Abayer, of Popol said to Abayer, Mashna Hai Mizuva de Marbi, Beizav Balsterius, or Mashna Hai Mizuva de Might Beizav Balsterius. He says, Wait, this is confusing now. In the one Possek where we had the word Mizuva from his Zav, you included a Zav Balsterius that he has to count seven clean days. That's what we just learned. Mizuva teaches us that he still has, Mizuva Saper, he still has to count seven clean days, even though he only saw twice. And in the other passage, we said Mizuva excludes a bowl, a Zav bowl of two from a Korban. So in the one place, the word Mizuva is including the one of two Rios, and in the one place it's excluding. So Amalei, Isal Katata Chayli Mutei, Huda'asa, if you would have thought that this one's coming to exclude him, Lishtukromina, the apostle could just be silent. I, if we wanted, if the Torah didn't want the Zav of two Reios to count twice, sorry, to count seven clean days before he purifies himself, let him just 
let the possum not say anything, and we would assume that a zav of two reels doesn't have to count seven clean days. So when it comes to say something, it must be to say including for that. Maybe it's logic. That is the same as the shomeriyon. Um, yeah, so this, oh, you, yeah, you might have thought you can learn it out from logic. So now, as we said up above, you can't learn it out from logic because you might compare it to a woman zava, a zava, and therefore who doesn't have to count seven clean days. So therefore, we need the pasuk. It says, oh, but maybe this is coming to teach us that he can pure a zavu also has toras can purify himself from toras, but even if it's not from his zuvo, from so even though he's not going to be purified from his toras, says no. In kain liftov kro the pastor could have said, and the Zav purifies himself. Why does it say Mizuvo emphasizing from his being a Zav? Must be coming to teach that a Zav Malshterios requires seven. Oh, sorry, I, I explained that wrong. If it's only coming to teach that a Zav who also has Soras can purify him from his Zav Tome, even though he's not purified from his. So Ras Tome, then I could have just used the phrase Hazav. Why does it say Mizuvo, a more complex uh, uh, way of expressing it, to also teach that a Zav of Turias has to count seven days? Okay, so just in short, I mean, it's been quite a technical piece, but not, um, not too bad. In short, we said, the Mishnah said, again, we're speaking about a male Zav, what's the difference between... A Zav who's seen twice and a Zav who's seen three discharges, seen three times, is bringing a Korban. But regarding that they both Tomei a high level of Tumor and they Tomei Moishavu Mishkas, regarding both of those, they are, and that they have to count seven clean days, whether he saw twice or whether he saw three times, it's the same. Again, the only difference is the Korban, that's the Mishnah. We brought the source that where we see. The, those we had to bring out. Where do we see that it's specifically tumor that they're equal, a zav of two and a zav of three, and specifically in a korban that they're distinct. That was the main discussion on that Mishnah. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Um, just before we go into the Mishnah, the next Mishnah is discussing a difference in two types of Tsaras. Now, there are many, Tsaras is very complicated. There's different types of Tsaras, there are different stages in the process. The purification process is a tricky, um, is tricky in its own right. Um, when he, um, so, so it's, it's very complex. I'm going to keep it as simple and straight to the points that we need to know um, as possible. And this is that when a Kohen, firstly, a Kohen is the one who examines the Mitzorah and declares it Tzoras. Until that happens, it doesn't count as Tzoras. So any halachas of Tzoras only kick in based on what the Kohen says. Now, if the Kohen notices certain simanim, certain identifying features of it being Tzoras, but not all of them, or it's too small, or certain aspects of it being a Tzoras are not there, then he puts him in isolation, what we call confinement, and is known as a muskar, a mitzorah muskar, a mitzorah in confinement. And then after seven days, the Kohen does a new examination. If the tzoras has grown into tzoras, okay, then he'll declare him a mitzorah. And if not, then he 
lets him out. He can, or he can put him in a cane, or he can let him out if it's gone. That's a Mitzora Muskar. One who's just put in confinement because the Tzoraz wasn't a proper, let's call it fully fledged. He didn't have, he didn't have the full set of symptoms. Um, if, however, he clearly has Tzoraz, or if he was a Mitzora Muskar and it's developed into fully fledged Tzoraz, then he becomes a Mitzora Muchlat. So again, we have a Mitzora Muzgar, this person who's put in confinement because he's not a proper, not necessarily a Mitzora. And you have a Mitzora Muchlat, that's someone who was decreed a Mitzora. When the coin examined him, he's passed and he said, ah, he's a Mitzora. So the Gemara Mishnah says, Ein bein Mitzora Muzgar, a Mitzora Muchlat. The only difference between a Mitzora Muzgar and a Mitzora Muchlat Ella Priya Ufrima is does he have to grow his hair long and tear his clothes? Okay, and this is based on the Pasuk. I'll just read it. It says, God, someone who has a Mitzorah, someone who has this disease, he what does he do? But God of you prune him, he must tear his clothes, and let his hair grow long, and he lifts his he lifts his garment above his mouth, as it was a sound of mourning, and he declares, he is he calls out, I am Tome, I am Tome. So that's it. That's it. Then it says, and regarding the purification of someone who's coming out as a Mitzorah Muzgar to a Mitzorah Muchlat, the only difference is Talagachas Vitsiporim. Does he have to shave and does he bring, does he have to bring birds as a korban? So where were we? Oh, so the, the purification process is the same except for shaving. A Mitzorah Muchlat has to shave himself completely and there's a whole purification process with Tsiporim with birds. So the Gemara says, Hole Inyan, so going back on the verse, Hole Inyan, Shiluach, Vatumat Zebedeshovim. This implies that regarding sending them out of the camp and becoming Tomei, they're equal. I, a Mitzorah Muzgar is as Tomei and also sent out the camp like a Mitzorah Muchlak. Mina Hanimili, what's the source? That this Prima of, that Prio Frima, I am growing the hair long and tearing clothes only applies to the Mitzorah Muchlat, the definite Mitzorah, says the Tani Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzhak de Ravuna, says, um, this is regarding the Mitzorah being purified. It says, V'tihara Kohen, Mispachas, he, the Kohen will purify him, it will be, um, I guess, a regular disease, V'kibes Begarov, V'tihar, V'tahar, and he will wash his clothes and become Tahar. Now it says tahar mi prio frima de ikara. He, the word tahar, the tahar implies that he was tahar. So what was he tahar from? Must be tahar mi prio mi frima de ikara. He's always been tahar from the requirement of from the requirement of letting his hair grow and tearing his clothes. So again, so what's a very interesting source is that instead of saying he this purifying himself now makes him. Tahar, it uses the phrase Vitahir, which implies that he was Tahar. So we have to ask, oh wait, but he's going through some purification, means he's been Tahar from some aspect, from the Priofrima. This is by Zava. 
is that the Gedola, I, the one who has to keep all the stringencies, the Kibayt Bogorov, the Tahir, he will wash his clothes and be Tahar. Now, again, it's the same word that implying going back on the past. It says, Hosam, my Vatahir, me Koreika. We're speaking about the strangest level of Zav. So what aspect could you be saying that he never had to keep, that he's always been Tahar from? So Elo, you have to explain it different. And this is yeah, trick, another tricky point. It says, Elo, Tahar, Hashtami, What we're saying now is that the Zav is Tahar from making Kli Cheres Tomei through moving them. Afal Gav Dahadar Even though... Even though he subsequently has another sighting, he is not Metamelemafreya. Let me explain this outside quickly. Um, a Zav, so we said, let, let's just again speak about the Zav of three sightings, because that's what we, the one that's most, the easiest. Um, he has to keep seven clean days. On the seventh day, he can go to Mikvah in the morning. And then, but he only becomes Tahar if that seventh day is clean and then it's nightfall. So what could happen is he goes to Mikveh in the morning and then in the afternoon he becomes, he sees another Zav discharge. Then it shows that he didn't have seven clean days. So he, and he has to restart his count. So for all intents and purposes, he was never Tahar. We're now saying except for one halacha. And that is, it's a very interesting halacha. Again, we've discussed his other tumor. That means if he touches another person or touches candy or touches food, they all become Tomek. Not only that, there's Mishka Vumoyshav. Anything that he sits or lies on that's made for sitting or lying on, even if he's not touching it, like the mattress on the mattress on the mattress, it becomes a other tumor. There's another halacha that if he moves something, again, without touching it, so, for example, through a lever or something like that, he moves something. He makes it Thomas if he's touched it all over. So that's Hesed. That's what's called Hesed. Now, we're saying that, let's say on the seventh day in the morning, he went to um, Mikvah, and then late afternoon, he saw this discharge. Now, mid, around lunchtime, he was touching food and stuff, and sitting on chairs retroactively it's all Tomei once he has the discharge at the night because he's not he's not Tomei at all except for regarding this Heset anything that he moved right, anything that he moved is remains Tahar for that interim period between when he went to Mikvah and he had the discharge later so even though for all Halachas it's as good as if he never ever went to Mikvah it's like going to mikvah on the second day or the third day or the fifth day. You can only go to mikvah on the seventh day. So for all halachas, when he goes to mikvah on the seventh day and then afterwards sees the discharge, it undoes everything he's done, except for this halacha of heset. It says, Sorry, we can say, He's, any, if he went into a house, retroactively it is tahar. An interesting halacha of a mitzorah, any time he walks into a house, it is um. Anytime he walks into a house, he makes the items and the people, etc. in it, Tomei. Now what happens if, um, if he was declared, he had this mark on his skin, he went into Hezger confinement, and then the Kohen said, okay, he's free, and then that later, that mark developed into fully-fledged Tzoraz. For all other halachas, 
It's as if he's had Soras all the way along. But for this halach of going into a house and making everything in a tome, lemafreya, he is tar. But without getting into those, with just to bring out the essence to, of the flow of the Gemara, is, is vita, we're still looking for a source that a, the difference between a musgar and a muhlat is pre-ofrima, letting his hair grow or tearing his clothes. So, Elo my Rova says the source is here. But Sorash, Erboa That's one who has Sorash, who on him has the afflictions. Why? Misha, Sorash, a clear book for one whose Sorash is dependent on his body, i.e., has to heal. Yotzazusha, ain't Sorash, a clear book for excluding this Musgar, which doesn't depend on him healing, it depends on his counting days. Again, when the coin puts the uh, the 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 Mitzora in confinement. He counts seven days, and that's what will determine his status. Will he go free or not? Whereas someone who's decreed a muhla to actually have soras, he has to wait for healing. So when the pasuk says Asher Bo on him, it's telling us that depend. We're speaking about the soras that must be healed before he can be tahor. I a muhla. Says Ah oh, Ella. Says Amalei Abaya Ella Meato. But wait. The requirement to leave all three camps, one of the requirements of the Mitzvah is to leave all three camps. Machane Shechina Levian Yisrael. He says, Kol Yemei Asher Hanega Boyitoma. Misha Tzrasa Tluya Begufo. Hu Tatoin Shiloch. Vishain Tzrasa Tluya Begufo. Ain Tzrasa Tluya That implies that only someone who, a Mitzvah Muchlat, whose requirement is for it to heal, has to leave all three camps and not the Mitzvah Muzgar. Who is weight dependent on days? Says Vachitay Mahachan Ami. I remember say that is true. Vahop Tani, but our Mishnah taught Ein Bein Netzora Musgal Lemetzora Muchlat Ela Priyofrimo Hale Inyan Shluch Ulemetamu Beviyas Eved Shabim. We said in our Mishnah the only difference between a Metzora Musgal and Muchlat is this letting the hair grow long and cutting and tearing clothes. But regarding being sent out of three camps and anything in a house that they enter becomes Tomei, they're equal. So Ella Omalei says no. You may call Yemei. The pasuk says Yemei. Call Yemei. Why did it need to say all his days? The rabbis metzore muzgal leshiloch to include metzore muzgal leshiloch. He says so. You're right. We would have thought that owned by the fact that it says the one who has soras on him by the requirement to leave all three camps. We would have thought it's dependent on a muchlat who has to wait for the actual blemish, the actual. Um, Tzorah, the actual disease, to heal. But it says, call Yamei to include someone else, and that's that even the Musgar has to leave. It says, ah, oh, hachi. If that's the case, that unless the Posuk excludes Musgar, the Posuk is referring to both Musgar and Muchlat, the Galachat Vitsiporim, my time and law. Why would you say that the Mitzorah Much Musgar does not have to shave? And do the bird procedure to purify himself. Diktani, and we learned in our Mishnah, the purification process, between, there's no difference in the purification process of the Hezger and the Hechlet, except for shaving and birds. So Omar Abaya Abaya says, no, you're right, it is excluded. Omar Kro, the Possek says, the Kohen will. Go out of the camp. Just adding the he named Nirpa Nega Hatsoras. The Tsoras has healed. Misha Tsorasa Tuluya Berafua. Whose Tsoras is dependent on its healing? Only the Muchlat. 
excluding the one whose saras is not clear on his healing, rather on counting the days. So just to bring, not all the halachas, but just to bring out the distinction we made in identifying the musgar, one of the key identi- the key differences and identifications in the posuk of whether we're referring to the muhlat or the musgar. Okay? The musgar is the one who has only some of the symptoms of taras, so he's put in confinement for seven days. The Mitzorah Muchlat, a definite Mitzorah, he has a fully-fledged Tzoraz, and he's sent out of the camp. What's the, their process is one of the defining distinctions to work out which one we're referring to is, is he just there for seven days? I Muzgar. You count seven days and you go check him. Got nothing to do. Even if in the third day he's completely healed. No, you have to wait seven days. Whereas the Muchlat, the one who's a definite Mitzorah, it's got nothing to do with seven days. It's got to do with when the Tzoras actually heals. And based on that, we're working out in the Psukim which halachas apply to which of the types of Mitzorah. Okay, we'll leave it there for today.